Hey, I want to thank you for checking out uh, the sermons at Coastal Community Church online. And uh, we are really happy to make these available to you uh, for your spiritual nourishment. But one of the things we have a deep conviction of is that we hope that these sermons are a supplement to your spiritual growth, but also a supplement to you having a home church. And so if uh, you do not live in this area, we would really encourage you uh, to join with a local church where you can serve the Lord together alongside of other believers. Uh, if you don't have a local church and you live in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love to have you check out Coastal Community Church. We have uh, three services, uh, 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15, and we'd love for you to join us at one of those services. Good morning, Coastal Church. Good to see you. Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, I woke up this morning and just it was in amazement at um, the human body and how God has created it. Did you know that uh, if you have a virus, your body will heat itself up to cook that virus out of your system. Did you know that? Pretty amazing. And so I woke up this morning with a 100-degree temperature, and I feel wiped out. So um, I asked my wife if I could take off. She said, no, go preach. So anyway, I will avoid you after the service. I don't want you to get sick. Uh, but, man, I'm glad to be here. Happy New Year. Uh, I know Michael Jordan played some of his best games with the flu, and I know some of you are like, are you comparing yourself to Michael Jordan? Yes, okay? I have a similar game. So um, so if you do have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, I'm going to kind of do a standalone sermon here this morning, and um, it's, I'm going to challenge us as a church. This sermon's really uh, kind of geared um, towards those that call this their home church. So if you're visiting, we welcome you, and I'm, I'm really challenging uh, the, the people that say, hey, you know what, this is my church, and because 2016 is going to be an adventurous new year for, uh, for Coastal Community Church 2016. I, um, uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's probably one to share in front of you. Get that one out. Follow along Hebrews chapter 11. About 20 years ago, I was uh, working at a camp, actually over 20 years ago now, at a camp uh, um, through Young Life in Saranac Lake. And if you've ever been to the Young Life Camp Saranac Lake in New York. It's beautiful. It's where I met my wife. It's so romantic. You can't help but fall in love. And uh, But one of my roommates uh, at this camp was uh, very good friends with Joe Gibbs and his family. And he, uh, he, graduated, he graduated with one of Joe's boys. And so uh, for graduation, Joe Gibbs invited my friend Mike out for dinner. And uh, they went out to dinner. And he, Joe Gibbs said, you guys can get whatever you want. And so my friend Mike, he, um, he decided he wanted lobster. And so the, the waiter comes or waitress and says, well, you know, what size do you want? And he says, what size do you have? And they said, well, we have a one pound, a two pound, and a five pound lobster. And um, he said, what's that cost? And the waiter or waitress said, well, it's market price. Well, he had no idea what that meant. <laughs> Mike's a big boy. His nickname was Moose, Okay. <laughs> Moose ordered a five-pound lobster at market price. He goes home. His mom says, how the dinner goes? It was great. What'd you get? I got lobster. She said, you got lobster? She said, yeah. How big was lobster? He said, I got a five-pound lobster. She said, my goodness, son, what did that cost? He goes, I had no idea. They just told me it was market price. I didn't know what that meant. This, the mom called Joe Gibbs, said, how much was his meal? He wouldn't tell her at first. Finally, found out he spent over $100 on his plate alone for his market price lobster. The mother said, he will be right over to wash one of your cars or do something. And Joe was very gracious and said, I, I've got it. Um, did you know that for a lobster to grow, uh, and this is the reason why the bigger the lobster, the more expensive, it, it ha actually has to leave its shell. 
for a season. It's, it has its shell. It's growing. And, and if it stays in that shell, uh, eventually that shell will become its prison. And if it stays in that shell too long, it, that shell will become its grave. And so the lobster, for a season, has to shed its shell and be shellless while the new shell forms. And I would imagine that if lobsters had feelings, I don't know if they do or not, um, they taste good in butter, I know that. But, uh, you know, I would imagine if they had feelings that, you know, they're just seasoned where it's shellless, that it's kind of scary, right? Like its protection is gone, it's vulnerable, there's, there's danger in it becoming part of the food chain, if you will, and, and that, those are scary times for the lobster, and, and, uh, and, and this morning, uh, if this is your home church, I want to tell you something, 2016, we're vulnerable, there's change coming our way, we're, we're, we're in uncharted waters, we're moving in a new direction, and, uh, and so, again, if you're a guest this morning, maybe you don't know this, we're, we're actually going to be relocating in 2016 to a new physical location. We bought the old Kroger building and, and uh, now the home of Coastal Community Church. We're in the process of building that out. And we're going to be moving and relocating. And there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of change coming our way. And, and we're a little bit like that lobster without a shell right now, okay? That's coming. I ran into some people after the Christmas Eve service, and some of them were emotional. They were like, you know, that may have been our last... Christmas Eve service in this building, right? Like, wow, yeah, I, did, I really did, never, it didn't really cross my mind that way, you know, but, but, that, but that's part of this lobster without a shell. And so I've entitled this sermon, Living in the Stretch, because when you live by faith, you're, you're going to live in the stretch. You're going to be stretched, okay? And Hebrews 11, and we're going to kind of take a, a helicopter view of Hebrews 11. I don't have time to dive into it here this morning, but Hebrews 11 is, is, is what's often called the Hall of Faith. I, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll take your Bible home today and read the entire chapter. It's a great read uh, of what it means to live by faith. And, but we're going to take a high-level view, and I, I want to take this and kind of pick at it and say, hey, church, we're going to live in the stretch in 2016, okay? Um, so with that, let's begin there, okay? Uh, if you're a person that knows God and your journey after God, you're, you're a person who lives by faith, and you're going to be stretched by your faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen, and it gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Okay, that's a great definition. This is actually the biblical definition of what faith is. Now, uh, this passage unpacks that for And by the way, we all live by faith. Even if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of God. You could be here this morning and claim to be an atheist. There's, there's things that you accept <clears throat> in your worldview that are really part are, are things that are accepted by faith, right? Um, in fact, Hebrews goes on to, Hebrews 11 goes on to define some of the things that if you're a follower of God that, that are part of your faith journey. And part of that is creation, right? And I don't have time to, to preach and give you guys a lot of information about intelligent design and how we all got here, right? And how the cosmos, and by the way, we should do good science. Sci- a lot of people think science and the Bible are in conflict. They're not in conflict. Good science should lead us to be wowed by the creator, okay? And that's kind of what Hebrews 11 kind of says about faith. It says, you have to understand that the part of the faith journey is like, how did I get here? You know, and as we look at whether it be, you know, looking deeply into the human body at the subcellular level, you know, even to something as simple as a fever, 
you know, kind of wows us. Like, wow, the body does it. It actually heats itself up to cook the virus out so that you get better. Yes, you know, and I'm battling that with Tylenol right now, you know, and that's kind of how that's going. But Or if you look at the, through the Hubble telescope and you look deep in the cosmos, you kind of are wowed by creation, and it's supposed to be that way. And it's supposed to make you wonder about the creator God of the Bible, okay? And so here are some of the ingredients of faith. <clears throat> it's being sure and being certain. And by the way, we don't have faith in faith, okay? Don't leave here this morning and go, well, he, Pastor John's just talking about mustering of faith. Here, here, this is a very important uh, cornerstone of your faith. You ready? This is the cornerstone of your faith if you're a follower of God through Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the cornerstone of your faith. Why is that important? Because it was this man that walked on earth, okay? He lived on earth. He claimed to be God. He claimed to come from God. He claimed to be sinless. He was sinless. He did supernatural things. Then he died, and it wasn't like he didn't die. He did die just like the rest of us, but the grave couldn't hold him. And the Apostle Paul says the resurrection is, is the authenticity that your faith is genuine and real, Okay, and that you believe in actual events that happen in recorded history. Very, very important. And so we can take God at his word because of the, authentic- the authentication of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, that should give you, as a Christian, some courage in this world where, where foundations are becoming wishy-washy. Okay. You believe in something that actually happened in history. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection didn't happen, go do something else. Eat, drink, party, whatever. Indulge your flesh. Do whatever you want if the resurrection didn't happen because none of this stuff is real. Okay? <laughs> and, so we, and so our faith is being sure and certain and it's grounded in the resurrection of Christ. And so the ingredients of faith, being sure and being certain, and hoping in what we haven't yet seen, okay? Think about hope for a minute. You don't hope for something that you already have, right? Think about that. You didn't drive up here this morning in your car and go, man, I really hope to have this car, right? You you don't hope for that car. Why? You already have it. What you hope for is the car you don't yet have, right? Man, I sure wish I had the newer model. You know, some of y'all, I saw the thing you drove up, and you really need to be hoping for another car, you know? <laughs> you know, get that. And we hope for what we don't have yet. And so the essence of faith is this idea of hoping in things that we haven't yet arrived at or haven't yet seen or haven't yet touched. It's the future, okay? And so faith is trusting God for an unknown future, something we haven't seen yet. Faith is also pleasing to God. If you're going to be stretched by faith, I want you to know faith is pleasing to God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. All right? Now this is going to be community interaction. Ready? First service didn't get that. I feel like the first service celebrated New Year's Eve last night. Okay? So I had to wake them up a little bit. All right? Here we go. God bless them. They're here at 815. All right? I want you to read this word. And it is, what's that word up there? It's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. There's an element of resting in his promises and in his character. We have to trust and please God. And that's what excites me about Coastal Community Church and where we are right now. Like, there's elements to me right now that are a little bit unknown and we're, we're kind of journeying together as a community of faith and trust in Christ. 
and I'm excited because I, you know, God is leading us and has led us in the unknown. You know, and by the way, church, like you guys put yourselves out there this past year, right? Like we risked this past year as I presented this opportunity and we voted on it. And many of you have, have given sacrificially to this where we're going. And, and like there's been risk involved in this journey as a community over the last year. And I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm grateful for, for, for the church kind of doing this together in unity. And I'm excited about where we're going. And, and, and I, I think there's a part uh, in this journey into the, the unknown. Man, it's, I think it's pleasing to the Lord as we do this in unity. And we trust the Lord for our future. The second thing about faith, when you're, you're going to be stretched by faith, and the reason you're stretched by faith is you're going to be stretched by change, okay? When you live by faith, there's going to be elements in your life that are going to be changing, probably constantly. There's always some change. Hebrews 11 verse 8 illustrates this with Abraham. And by the way, be, be very careful about verses like this. Sometimes I think we take these verses kind of prescriptively, right? And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a minute. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. And it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by what? What's it say, church? He lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Faith often requires that we change, have to, requires change in our lives. In fact, if you, <clears throat> if you were to look through this chapter of Hebrews 11, you'll see that each person required significant amounts of change in their lives. Henry Blackaby, author and pastor, writes this. He says, it's impossible to stay where you are and move with God at the same time. Amen. God's good. By the way, is, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, he said two things. He said, anybody remember? Repent and what? Believe. Repentance is what? Change. Right? It's it literally means 180 degrees. You're heading this way. I'm going to change. I'm going to go this way. And belief is faith in the person and work of Christ and in the kingdom of God. You can't stay where you are and journey with God. At the same time, he's going to require that you change. Abraham had to pack his belongings and move his family and dig wells and drink new water, plant new gardens in a strange land. And the Bible sees this as faith. And what I meant by being prescriptive, don't read this verse and go, oh, God wants me to move to Iowa, okay? Maybe he does, okay? But, you know, I, I, we do that in community. We make decisions. We seek the wisdom of God in community. But I will tell you this. The principle is if you're journeying with God, there's times you're going to have to change. It's a part of the journey of faith. And change is never easy. And by the way, change is scary. Can I just say that? And I've heard people say this. I think it's actually wrong. I've heard, this, heard people say that the opposite <coughs> of faith is fear. I don't think that's true. I think the opposite of faith is disobedience. Okay, I want you to think about that. Because I've obeyed. I remember there, there have been times in my life out of obedience with my financial resources that I have tithed. Okay, where I've given a tenth of my income to my local church. I've tithed, and I have been mortified. 
Why was I scared? Because the numbers didn't add up, right? And I gave because I believe that's what God had called me to do. And, man, and I watched the Lord provide for my needs in ways that I was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming, right? <coughs> Some of you in this room, faith's going to require that you get rid of that boyfriend or that girlfriend. <coughs> it's not walking with the Lord, not bringing you closer to the Lord. <coughs> and the fear in that is that I'm going to be alone on the weekends, for a little while till God brings me the right person. So faith is not always the absence of fear, but it's disobedience. Obedience is the act of faith. And saying, Lord, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Change is never easy. And as a church, uh, we're heading to change. Okay? And I said this back in the fall, and, and you know, I, I just, I want to be clear if this is your home church. Like, I we're about to head to change. Where we gather for worship, corporate worship, is about to change. Some of you, for the first time in six years, are going to have to sit in a new seat, okay? And <laughs> Now, there's a couple in here. There's a handful of y'all that are really radical, and you make sure you sit in a new spot every week. But most of us, right, we sit. I do it, too. I sit in the same seat. By the way, that's really helpful to me. I take attendance that way. Man, I haven't seen someone in a while since while I'm preaching. I know where you all sit, you know. And uh, we're going to sit in new seats. We're going to park in new places, all right. Our service times are going to change. We're going to go back to two services, all right. I, we haven't decided what service times are going to be. I don't know why that's funny. Praise the Lord, I guess, if you're the drummer. But, uh, you know, we don't have to hear Scott twice instead of three times. Anyway, um, <laughs> It's always your row, Scott. It's always your row, okay? Um, you know, service times, I don't know. I, we haven't decided what they're going to be, but whatever service time we move, it's probably going to be whoever goes to that service is going to be like, oh, man, you know, I love this service. Why is that changing? Part of the journey is change. Now, there's some things that won't change around here. I want to be really clear about that. There's some things that won't change. Man, we're going to be passionate about God. We're going to be passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way connecting God to man to God. We're going to uplift the gospel. We're going to be passionate about making sure that people that don't have a church home can find a church home here, and they, we start with them wherever they are. Come as you are. We want to introduce you. We're not here to change you. We want to introduce you to the one who will change you from the inside out. It's not my job to change you. The gospel does that through the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word of God. We, things that aren't changing, we're going to emphasize small groups. We want you to be in community. Community happens in small groups. We're, things that aren't changing, we're committed to the Word of God as the Word of God. Even when it's culturally uncomfortable, it's still the Word of God. Our leadership is committed to being people that are, that are pursuing holiness and righteousness, even in their private lives, for the glory and fame of Christ. Now, here's the attitude of change. The attitude of change, if you ever wonder, do I have the attitude of change? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, says this. It says, all these people, and there's these list of people that changed and followed hard after God, and their circumstances changed. It said, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance, and they what? What's it say, church? They welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. They welcomed the things they didn't see. 
They welcomed change. They were excited about change. And I know for some of you, like, that's difficult. Now, now there's certain people in here, you're kind of type A, and things can't change fast enough for you, right? Kind of, every church has what I call the mavericks, you know, and you need the mavericks. But, um, but, but there's some of you, man, it's like, I don't like a lot of change. Let me encourage you. I want you to be excited about change because people that follow hard for God welcome change. They welcome what God is doing. <clears throat> the second thing is this. They understood that they were strangers in a foreign land. I want you to think about that for a minute. See, the idea is there's something that trumps the fact that you're an American citizen. If you're a Christian, that trumps the fact that you're an American citizen. So in other words, this world is not our home. God is taking us to something far greater in this world. And it's very, very difficult in an affluent society like America. And I thank God for all his many material blessings that he's given us in America. But one of the challenges is it's very easy to get settled. And the culture's kind of yelling at you, man, you got to do this, you know, IRAs and retirement and good this and this and that and the house here and on and on the list goes. And we can easily get caught up in the, man, I want to get through life the American dream, safe, soft, easy, and comfortable. And again, that's not all bad. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I want to caution you that as a believer, you're a stranger in a foreign land. This is not your home. God is taking you somewhere else. This past summer, I had the great opportunity to go to Honduras. I know some of you in this room consider that the place you want to go and consider home. But for me, I was there for nine or ten days. Awesome missions trip. Can't wait to do it again. But at no point in my time there did I ever refer to that as home. I kept saying, man, I can't wait to get home. I, I'm looking forward to home. I'm looking forward to home. And then we got to the airport, and they actually taxed us to leave. I was like, isn't that called a ransom? You know, I, don't, I think you should tax us on the way in. If you're taxing on the way out, I feel like I'm being held hostage. But anyway, maybe it's just me. You know, but I wasn't, I was like, man, I, it wasn't home. And as a Christian, there should be a restlessness in our hearts a little bit that this is not home. We're not home yet. We're, we're going to a place that God has, yet, has promised, but we have not yet gotten there. We have not yet arrived. We understand that life is short, and, and this time here on earth is a temporary assignment to make Christ famous at all costs. I had this weird pastor thing this week as I was driving home after Christmas from visiting my folks up in Baltimore. I was stuck in traffic and I was just looking at all these cars and I began to wonder, how many of these people are Christians? And I'm driving, there's all these people everywhere and I just start like, like, how many of these people think this is all there is? And as a church, man, that should burden us and, in, and empower us and impassion us to make sure that the gospel of Christ is getting lifted up so that people don't get settled. <clears throat> so as Christians, man, we're called to live in the stretch. And it requires faith and it requires change. Now, the book of Hebrews doesn't just leave us there. The writer recounts it. All these heroes of the faith Gives us some, they, the writer of Hebrews gives us some practical steps in, in chapter 12. Of how do we live in the stretch? Living in the stretch, what does that look like? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, 
since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The first thing the author says is, man, if you're going to run the life of faith, that's your spiritual journey. You have to throw some things off. He says you've got to throw off the cares of the world. That's what I meant by this idea. Look, you're, you're, are you trying to mute me when I cough? That's tough to do. How about if I go like this, you mute it, we'll kind of have this game for the rest of the day. Yeah, that's great, Michael. That's what I was talking about, about this culture, man. It's very easy to get swallowed up by the cares of the world. It's very easy to forget that, that this, this 70 or 80, or if you're really blessed with some great health, 90 years is a temporary assignment. And to remember that we're a part and we're of something bigger than just this world. Throw that off. And the author of Hebrews says, and throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And he, he's kind of using the language of a race, right? I mean, have you ever seen an Olympic runner? I, I, uh, I have these in my house. Um, I don't think I've ever used them. Uh, we just bought them because it seemed like it'd be a good idea. These are ankle weights, right? And uh, I think I've used them for illustrations. Um, and so I'm just short for my weight. And... Um, and so, you, like, no Olympic runner would say, hey, listen, before we run to make this race fair, I'm going to strap this on, okay? And so the author of Hebrews says, man, if, as a Christian, as you grow in sanctification, if you get tangled in sin, it's like running a race, strapping this on. I don't know if you've ever seen a, an Olympic swimmer, right? I mean, Olympic swimmers, guys... Like, they shave their whole body before they swim in a race. So there's no hair. Like, and I'm a hairy guy. I've never been in a pool going, man, this is really holding me back. You know, like, <laughs> doing what I need to do. It's a horrible thought. Anyway, um, but that's kind of what the, the author of Hebrews, you'll never read this passage the same, will you? So, uh, you know, but, it's kinda, like, we get tangled in our mess. You know, some of you in this room, like, you, like the, you're a Christian, the spirit of God is in you, and you're like, man, I want to do the journey of faith, but, but I, I keep sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and you're strapping on these weights that entangle, you know, I'm struggling with an addiction to pornography, and I, you know, God's got more for me, but man, I, I keep kind of doing this deal. And the author of Hebrews is like, man, get that stuff out of your life because it entangles you from all, all that the Lord has in this pursuit of faith. And it has entangled you. You know, church, we're in a vulnerable time because um, I feel like this, the reason I'm preaching this sermon is, and I open with that illustration, is I feel like we're that lobster without the shell, right? And we're in this vulnerable time, and it's exciting, and we kind of have our eyes on the future um, but, man, I want to encourage you, if you're here, this is your church home, you're a Christian, make sure you're pursuing holiness and righteousness in your pursuit of Christ. Don't get entangled in sin. 
If you're here in this room and you're a leader, you're a small group leader, you're a leader of a ministry here at Coastal, like these are, these are vulnerable times. Satan would love to sidetrack us with sin. It wouldn't surprise me if, if temptation in some of our lives amps up a little bit right now. Because these are vulnerable times. It wouldn't surprise me if it's maybe in your life it's a little more difficult right now to be unified with where the church body's going because we've got a battle for unity. Nothing scares me more in a church life than disunity in the vision and the direction. And we're kind of in the grinded out part right now. Like the grinded out part is the tough part, you know? It's the, it's the, you know, it's the NFL playoffs are right around the corner, and there's going to be some teams playing next week, you know. And, like, this is the, the summer workouts part that no one sees. This is the extra weight lifting and, you know, stuff that, and if you don't know what sports is, you're like, oh, what's he talking about? Anyway, but <laughs> we've got a battle for unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. It's one of my favorite verses about unity. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You know what I love about that verse? It's the word effort. We think unity and peace come, they seem like nice words. They seem like they should come easily. No, they, they require effort. You know, and we got to work at that. So, I, you know, I am concerned in these vulnerable times. And by the way, this is no time to sit on the sidelines either. Like, this is no time to fold your arms and go, well, I'm just going to wait and see. I'll wait six months, see where this thing is going. You know, maybe a year. No, no, now's the time to say, you know what, I want to be involved. I got, roll up your sleeves, I got some ministry to do. I want to be a part of where God is moving us as a church and be a part of making Jesus famous on the peninsula. Ephesians chapter 4, I don't have it on the screen, but Paul teaches that, that I'm not the minister. Did you know that? I mean, it's really easy to think, I'm sitting in the rows and I'm looking forward at the minister. You're the minister. No, actually, I'm the equipper, according to Ephesians chapter 4. The elders of the church are the equippers to unleash ministry. And I say this at the membership class, and every time I teach a membership class, I'll say this this morning, like when I look out at a membership class, I see the people that are coming to, to, to link arms and say, you know what, I'm going to commit myself in ministry and membership of this church. So the thing I love about that is every time I teach a class, I look at it and I go, wow, God is not done sending us ministers. People are saying, man, I'm going to link arms and we're going to serve the Lord in this church together, doing ministry, serving people, God's people and lost people <clears throat> in ministry. It's not the time to sit on the sidelines. It's the time to get involved. And this race is a race of perseverance Hebrew says. Living in the stretch requires perseverance. It's, it's running the race <coughs> with the end in mind. I whip this blanket out every eight, 12 to 18 months. I keep it in my office as a reminder. Um, so I know some, many of you have seen this illustration before, but I just think it's a great illustration. Um. I believe that the life that we're living, the race that we're running, the things that we're doing as a church is, is really a tapestry of the glory of God. And he's knitting it together. And, and the Apostle Paul says, right now, we see things kind of dimly, right? 
fact, if you just went through the holiday seasons, they were hard for you, and sometimes that happens, sometimes even harder than holidays. Like, what is God up to? What's going on? And I always say there's a tapestry <clears throat> that God is weaving together, but we, it, it looks kind of like muddied right now. But we know he's up to something, and we see God in the shadows, and we see hints along the way. But, man, it's, it's just kind of muddied. There's going to come a day when our faith becomes sight. And the author of Hebrews says you run with the big picture in mind. Run with the end of you. Because there's going to come a day where God reveals his glory and all that he's up to. And suddenly the picture is going to become much clearer. And we're going to see this side clearly. And if you're, some of you are sitting here thinking, so Sean, are you suggesting that heaven is going to look like Camden Yards? Maybe, okay? It's possible, okay? And so, um, but the thing is, is right now you're in the middle of this, and, and this little thread is your life, and it's kind of woven through this tapestry. And, and, and you're like, God, you know, it was like those were some hard days right there. My health was bad, and I was fighting with my spouse. I wanted to get along with my parents, and finances were tough. And, like, you know, church was kind of upheaval right then, and all this is going on and on. And then God goes, look, this is that part in what I was doing. You're like, whoa. Or maybe you're in a season where it's really great. Things are going great. Business is growing. You know, family, husband and wife get along great. You know, it's like you're a newlywed. You've been married 20 years. All that kind of great stuff's going on. And even in that, God goes, man, and this is what I was doing. Whoa. Awesome. And the thing I love about Hebrews 11 is, like, you don't really, you don't really know what God is doing. Like, there's, there's this illustration of people in there, right, uh, of you know, the, uh, Hebrews 11 does this illustration of the hall of faith. And some people, like, they get blessed and they get saved from the enemies and God shuts the mouths of lions and they have big houses and great stuff happens. And you're like, oh, if, you, if, I, if I live by faith, then things are going to be great. Maybe. Because there's a lot of list of people where they lived in caves and they got sawn in two and they got killed for the faith, right? And I always say this, like, we don't really know what God's, just because it's hard does or doesn't mean it's of God. And just because it's easy does or doesn't mean it's of God. Ecclesiastes says, God sends the rain on the good and the evil. That means there's blessings going on, good and the evil. And we don't always know we're seeing dimly, but we run the race knowing that God is going to one day reveal his glory and we get to be a part of that. Isn't that cool? And so run with perseverance. And finally, Hebrews 12 says, and our focus on that run is the person of Jesus Christ. Fix our eyes on Jesus. The author says, the, uh, the author and the perfecter. I love the NLT there. It actually calls him the champion of our faith. The focus of our journey is Jesus I'm sure you know the story of Peter, right? I mean, Matthew chapter 14, getting out of the boat, right? You know that story? If you're new to church, you probably heard that somewhere along the way. Jesus sends his disciples out in the boat in the middle of the night. It gets windy, waves are coming. Jesus comes walking across the lake in the middle of the night. <clears throat> One of the disciples think it's a ghost. Peter speaks up. Jesus says, hey, it's me. Don't worry. Peter speaks up. If it's really you, call me out onto the water. Jesus says, come on out. He gets out on the water. He's walking on water. You know, and, and, and then suddenly he starts to look at the wind and the waves, and he gets nervous. He starts to sink, and Jesus reaches out his hand, and he pulls him out of the water. And in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus gives Peter a gentle rebuke, and he says, Why have, you, why have so little, what? 
Where did he lose his faith? He got out of the boat, didn't he? Eleven other guys still sitting in the boat. He lost his faith when he took his eyes and his focus off Christ. Keep your focus on the champion of our faith who started the work in your heart and he's going to see it through when we focus on Christ. You know, as a church, I feel like we're officially out of the boat. And uh, it's gonna, there's going to be some moments in the next six months it's going to be like, man, we are out of the boat. Let me encourage you, keep your eyes Focused on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, because we're living in the stretch. Now, I'm going to confess something this morning. I'm going to wrap this sermon up. It's the third time I've preached this sermon as your pastor here at Coastal Community Church. Almost word for word. Some of you are like, I knew I heard that lobster story before, somewhere (laughs) along the way. I don't normally do, I rarely preach, re-preach a sermon, but, um, so let me give you a little context. I first preached this sermon late December, I'm sorry, early January of 2002, when a church of about (coughs) 70 or 80 adults, 100 to 110 with kids, was dissolving and merging with another church to form Coastal Community Church. And I challenged that body of believers, and I said, we're going to be living in a stretch, and this isn't going to be easy. There's a lot of change coming our way, but we're going to keep our eyes focused on Christ, and he's going to see us through. I preached a sermon again in late December of 2009 to a group called Coastal Community Church, but less than 300 people on a descent, uh, late December Sunday, meeting in Grafton High School. That group of people was about to move into this location right here. And I said, guys, we're about to move, and it's going to change. It's going to look different. It's going to smell different. It's going to be different over the next couple years, and we're going to live in the stretch. We're walking by faith, and we're going to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. And I just thought it was appropriate this Sunday to preach to three services. Say, I'm telling you, 2016. We're going to be living in a stretch. I want to encourage each and every one of you, keep your eyes focused on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. My very first sermon at this church, I had three points. Now, some of you are like, you about to preach another sermon? No, I'm about to wrap it up, all right? (laughs) My very first sermon... Had three points. I said, here's what we're going to be about. We're going to love God through Christ passionately. We're going to love others. We're going to meet people. Our doors are going to be open to anybody God wants to send our way. We're going to start with anybody, wherever their starting point is. We're going to introduce them to Christ. We're going to love God. We're going to love others. And when God calls us to do something difficult and radical, we're going to obey him. And he's going to bless our socks off. It's my first sermon. And I've seen a group of people say, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to love God, love others, and move when he says move. And I believe if we do that, we keep our eyes focused on Christ. See the gospel of Christ. Continue to reach lives here on the peninsula, here in the state, and around the world. I'm excited to live in the stretch in 2016. How about you?
All right, let's close with prayer. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you call us to live by faith. There's things we can't see. We don't know the future, God. You do. You're weaving a tapestry together that's going to reveal your glory. And we, this church, coastal community church, we get to be a part of that. We give you thanksgiving. We give you praise, God. We, we get to be a part of revealing the glory of God, uplifting the gospel of Christ. So we want to journey in faith with our focus being on the champion of our faith, your son, our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter. We will live in the stretch in 2016, excited about what you're doing. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to thank you for being here. I don't want you to feel an obligation to give because we are not after your money. We would love to have one thing from you. Inside that bulletin as a guest is a tear-off as you fill it out. We just want to send you a thank you card for coming. Uh, to Coastal this, this morning. Um, this is one of the ways we worship the Lord, though, and if you'd like to join us that, you're certainly welcome to. Um, I want to let you know that after the service or even during the offering time, our prayer team will be here in the front row. So if you came in this morning, you'd really just like to talk to someone, pray with someone about the things going on in your life. They're here and available to minister to you in that way. Uh, they have purple shirts on. That's how you know who they are. And uh, so with that, ushers, would you come forward? And worship team, would you lead us in singing? <laughs>